Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And on this Monday morning, hours away from Monday Night Football, the big question is, who had the worst Sunday, Andy Dalton or Cam Newton? You could also go with C, which is both, if you wanted to not pick. I'll probably say Andy Dalton. That hit. Yeah, man, it hurt. John Bostic coming in, likely to get fined, suspension-worthy. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. You just heard our Dan Orlovsky there mention it was the most embarrassing play of the season. That was the Cowboys teammates not defending Andy Dalton after that particular hit. The fellas do believe if that was Dak Prescott, people would be racing in with squad cars in the ambulance. Of course. Says a lot. That's what I was going to say. The the hit hurt Andy Dalton, but I think the hit of nobody coming to protect Andy Dalton probably hurt even more when it's all said and done. That's the part that continues, continues to show you how fractured this team is, especially out of everything that's happened. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just like Dan Orlovsky said, it was embarrassing watching that particular moment. It was a microcosm of their entire season. It's certainly not a microcosm of the Pats' entire season as to what happened to Cam Newton. The last two days or last two games have been rough, right? The 13-day layoff, they show nothing against Denver. But again, 13 days off, had the coronavirus, weren't able to practice. That's one thing you kind of maybe say it's a one-off. Then yesterday, Jimmy G returns to Foxborough. All the motivation in the world for Tom Brady's successor to show up Jimmy G. Instead, key sub-100 yards passing. Three interceptions bench for Jared Stidham. And Jay, you say just from a fan's eye and perspective, Cam's arm. What in the world happened to this arm? Well, he's only thrown for over 300 yards one time this season. That was versus Seattle. Everything else has been 200 or less. I understand that they are skewed in their running game. But just like Matt Hasselback said the other day, it seems like when Cam drops back in the, in the shotgun, his rhythm is off. He just hasn't found that pop. There's not that same zip on the ball, Key. Like, it just doesn't come off his hand the same when he's sitting in the pocket from the shotgun. Well, I, look, the way that I've looked, looked at it with him over the last two and a half games – I would say that there's something definitely is wrong. I wouldn't necessarily say it's in mechanics because he's this is Cam. Cam motion throwing motion is the same as been his entire career. I just think for whatever reason he's not settling in quite yet. I think there was a dis, a major disruption when he caught COVID in terms of his learning curve and how they wanted him to do things. It was a setback. And I think that that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a major setback for him. Now can he come out of it? Absolutely. I think he can, absolutely. Um, will he come out of it? Probably. Probably so. They're going to fight down to the finish. Bill Belichick's not going to all of a sudden decide to throw Cam to the Wolves. Yeah, he was benched yesterday for Jared Stidham. What the hell? They was getting the you-know-what beat out of him. Sure. So what What are you going to – I mean, like, why are you, you going to keep him out there? For what? He threw three picks, of course. One of them was a good play by the defensive back because he chased down the ball and went and got it like a wide receiver. But when you look at Cam and you look at the situation, he walked into this situation with everything stacked against him to start with. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. And he knows that. He came out playing well, so then everybody's like, oh, okay, cool, he's back, he's back, he's back. Not so well. People like, ah, oh, get rid of him. Brady would have done this. Brady would have done that. Brady... It's hard to follow a legend. It's hard. I remember when Pete Carroll followed Bill Parcells for the first time to New England. And Bill Parcells had taken New England to the Super Bowl and lost against the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll goes in there. No matter what Pete did, even though he was a playoff coach, it just wasn't going to be the same. It wasn't going to be the same at all. And now you have 
Cam Newton going and replacing a legend, a living legend on top of that, mm-hmm. who's doing well in Tampa. While he's struggling. While he's struggling. So people going to focus in on how bad Cam is really playing, how awful it is. They're not looking at the new system, trying to understand who Cam is, trying to understand what they have at the skill positions. Uh, Julian Edelman is not Julian Edelman of old. He's just not. I mean, you could clearly see some of those balls that were thrown behind him slightly, some of those balls that were thrown at his at his ankles. He would go get those in the past. So he's not who he is. Nikhil Harry is still trying to figure out how to be a pro. But Keith, just all of those sort of things affects the quarterback. You're asking you're asking for the luxury of patience, though. So. I mean, on, no, on, no, I'm on not a asking for the, I'm well, not asking for luxury. Well, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is. You have to look at it for what it is and not for what you want it to be. Well, that's the question. What is it? I, I personally think the COVID thing has, has certainly pushed his learning curve back from what they were trying to do. There's no excuse to that. Let's see how he plays next week. Now, if you keep putting stinkers together, there's no defense for that. But mm-hmm. given the fact that he caught COVID, he was out 13 days. He played a week and a, I mean a day and a half of practice. He went out and laid an egg against Denver. Now San Francisco comes to town. Doesn't look great. Played bad. Three interceptions. Benched. Let's see what the third game at the Bills at the, the Bills game. turn into. That's a huge spot because this is a litmus test game at this particular moment. The Bills have a two and a half game division lead. We should note New England has played one less game. That's why it's actually two and a half and not a straight number at two. And three, the Bills are looking to win the division. The Pats have won the division 11 straight years, the longest record of any team winning a single division in the history. He's got to play better, the man. National He's got to play better. It, it could, it could qu- quickly turn around because it's not like the Bills have looked that great either. I mean, they lost their last two out of three games, and mm-hmm. the way they beat the Jets, didn't. it wasn't like you walked away from that game saying, oh, the Bills are rolling now. Well, they can still win. The New England can still win the division, no question about it, but Cam Newton has to play better. Cam can't do the things that he's doing. It just – you can't. He can't have multiple games with multiple turnovers and interceptions. You're just not – New England's not that good for him to be able to make those mistakes. Tom Brady covered up for a lot of the deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball for them at the skill position. They knew – he knew over time he had a safety valve in Julian Edelman and Gronkowski when he was healthy that he can go to those guys. Cam have yet to really find that rhythm and that continuity with Julian Edelman. And again, Julian Edelman is not the same guy that he once was. Last word goes to Belichick. I'm just going to paraphrase him because he was usually as normal Kurt with the media. He essentially said if there's any sort of changes or anything coming, he said, of course not. Cam is our guy. Speaking of Cam, we want you to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, or hit us up at KeyJNZ on Twitter. We're asking you this morning which quarterback that's on a team right now is going to be on a new team next year. Cam's got a one-year deal. He's struggling. Maybe you think Cam, maybe Sam Darnold, maybe Jimmy G, who just knocked off Cam. How about Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr? Is there somebody? Jeez. Wait, I mean, there, there, that's the whole league. That's the league. Anybody not named Rodgers, Wilson, Brady is now apparently in this discussion. So we'll see. What do you think? I mean, some people are thinking it could be somebody else. I mean, just let us know. There are 32 guys. Carter in Kentucky. You're on ESPN Radio with the team now, not at this time next year. Who you got? My man, I appreciate you letting me uh, call in, man. This is awesome. Uh, first of all, diehard Raiders fan, I don't want to say Derek Carr. I don't want to do it. I just don't. But it, it's getting to the point where he's getting so predictable with his short passing. He's got the weapons. But one thing I feel sorry for Derek Carr is our defense. 
I know John Gruden's offense. Key, you know all about John Gruden's offense. Yeah. West Coast. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's the same every year. But the one thing we don't have this year is a defense. So I love Derek Carr. He's our all-time leader in touchdown passes. I'm not hating on Derek Carr, but you almost feel sorry for the guy because we got the weapon for him, but we just ain't got the defense. I think when you when you look at the Raiders' situation, I think they still be a wild card team. Um, I don't know that they're going to catch Kansas City within the division, but they're certainly fighting for a wild card spot. One interesting piece of breaking news just coming out this morning from Adam Schefter, and this is hard to believe if you saw the video. If you haven't, just get on your phone. It's right there. After being ejected Sunday, the Washington football team linebacker, John Bostic, who delivered a nasty helmet-to-helmet hit on Andy Dalton that concussed Dalton and essentially knocked him out of the game, is not expected to be suspended for his hit on Dalton, a source telling Adam Schefter. And the funny thing about it is Bostic got up where they threw the flag and looked puzzled. Like, you threw the flag on me? Like, come on, man. You see, when, when quarterbacks are sliding with feet first, you're not to touch them. Run over there and just tap them. Don't give me the, the momentum made you dive on him and try and hit him. Just you, you see him sliding, pull up, and touch him. It's not that hard. So, it's very simple. Zubing, you said he will not be suspended. Not expected to not be suspended. Not expected. No discipline with wow. regards to suspension. Could be a fine coming, yeah. but a lot of people thought that was a hit worthy of a suspension. Again, if I you mean, haven't seen it, it's pretty brutal. I feel like he led with his shoulder first and then he dipped his helmet. I don't know how you don't. I don't. I really don't know how you suspend. Don't suspend him. Yeah. I agree. I, don't, I really don't how know do how. But, totally agree. I mean, they would. They would. They would suspend. Uh, well, maybe he doesn't have a history. Because Burfecht, the old longtime Raider, Cincinnati Bingo, longtime Cincinnati, longtime Cincinnati Bingo, yeah. Raider linebacker, had you know but, multiple offenses, so he would be suspended on a hit like that. But key, I don't need to see a history to see a quarterback who is obviously no, going I, feet I understand, first. I understand. No, I understand like that, where we a, come from. That could have snapped his neck. But Burfecht, you know, that would be something that he would do. Yeah, that looked like a hit that he would put out there. And he would get suspended for it. But I don't know that Bostic has a history of it. Usually the league, with that sort of stuff, there has to be some sort of pattern, Z, for them to make a decision on taking you off the field. And certainly Vontez Burfick did have that pattern even going back to college. He's a talented but troubled player for sure. Richard in Dallas, give me a homecoming for Jerry Jones. Welcome to ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? I want to say I'm an avid Mike and Mike listener, Mike uh, Golagalinga, and I want to say you guys are doing a phenomenal job. That y'all took over. I listen every morning. But my thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Jones tries to pull a trade for Matthew Stafford this year. How about that, Key? Matthew Stafford no. grew up in Dallas and oh. went to high school right around the in Dallas. From, right, lives right around the corner from Jerry. Grew up right that? around the corner from Jerry. No. What do you think? I'm Matthew Stafford. No. Why would I want to get behind that damn offensive line? <laughs> what? You're not taking me and putting me in New Orleans or taking me and putting me with the Rams or taking me and putting me with a team that's good. You get ready to take me from one bad situation to another. Hell no. No, I'm not going. I'm not going. Doug, get me a runza. You're in Omaha on ESPN radio. What do you think? Doug, you with us? Dougie. Yeah, I, I, I've got you. Go ahead. Who do you got? Who's going to be on a team next year, different than the team he's on this year? It's it's Cam. I, I, I'm sorry, Key. We, we have got to stop. 
I have been told for the past eight or nine years, or however long this guy's been in the league, Cam was never an elite quarterback to begin with. Man, the dude was the MVP wait, of the league, wait, man. What? Slow down. He was that, MVP of the dude, league. He took his team to the Super dude, Bowl. No, no, no. But listen, though. That MVP season is a complete outlier to the rest of his production. He's an often injured quarterback with a retooled throwing motion. He, hey, wait, hold on, push. hold on. He was injured one time in 2019. Outside of that, he was injured four other times in games that he missed. Four times other than 2019. Go ahead now, Doug. He, bottom line, dude is putting up pedestrian passing numbers even in the games that he's rushed well. It's not going to get it done. I'm sorry, it is not going to get it done. We don't make these excuses for anyone else. No, you do make those excuses for a lot of people, and Cam has not played well this year. There's no question about it. But to act as though he hasn't terrorized the league at times in his career would be absolutely wrong because in 2018 he was having a very similar season to 2015 prior to the end of the season when he had the shoulder situation happen to him and he had to miss the final game. So let's not act like the dude is just – a bum when he's healthy. That's yeah. not the case. I'm not calling him. A, he's not a bum at all. I mean, he's a he's a talented specimen. I I would say just to agree a little bit with Doug though. Look, they. I mean, they rushed the ball more more than any team there is in the NFL. That's, so, but that was the, that was his I, philosophy. That's what they wanted to do. I understand, but what Doug's point was, his numbers look very pedestrian when he has to throw the ball. And if teams he hasn't force been you, good this year, if teams ball. force you not to be a, a, a running offense. Cam's going to need to have to prove his arm to win games, and his numbers have been pedestrian. You That's all I'm saying. You can't prove your arm with what you're throwing to either now. Just saying. Just but saying. It was just, yep. Sorry. No, go ahead. It was like it was three weeks ago we sure. were saying, look what Cam is doing with this new sort of – this roster. It's the issue that Tom Brady had. You know, we were just saying that three weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to be – which way do you want it? They had a good – he had a good game against Seattle outside of that throwing the football – Really wasn't good. Jess is ready. Yes, that was week number two, Sunday Night Football, where they were stopped on the goal line. If they get that win, maybe things are a little bit different. Indeed, Jess is ready. That is ESPN analyst Jessica Mendoza. Let's do a little World Series talk. So if you missed game five of the World Series last night, maybe you were watching Sunday Night Football. Straight steal of home attempted by Manuel Margot of the Rays. Do it again tomorrow! (laughs) Since it didn't work out, our resident Dodger fan is probably calling for an encore performance bottom line nobody had tried such a thing in the world series since 1982 nobody had pulled it off successfully since jackie robinson in 1955 add it all up a 4-2 win for the dodgers the 3-2 series lead they can seal the deal tomorrow and win the world series on espn radio coverage 7 30 eastern dodgers haven't won it since 1988 as promised as key said Jess is ready. Let's go to the Shell Pennzoil performance line and welcome in Jessica Mendoza. Jess, I know you said last night you thought one inning and one inning in particular was the key to the entire game. Yeah, it was that fourth inning. And Clayton Kershaw, he, he struggled with his command in that inning. He walked the first two batters. And you kind of felt like, oh, no, is this kind of later in the game when we've seen Clayton Kershaw in the postseason start to lose an he reared back. He was able to get saw off the hands of Joey Wendell to get a, a pop fly. And then the dirty curveball. I mean, this is the Uncle Charlie we know so mm. well from Clayton Kershaw to get the strikeout. That was out number two. And remember, runners were at first and third. There was an error this inning, a stolen base. So much had happened. And that's when Manuel Margot tried to steal home. It was 
you're looking at like millimeters, centimeters. Most strikeouts, by the way, via the breaking ball in a single postseason by Clayton Kershaw. I mean, between his slider and the curveball, just keeping those raise hitters off balance. But that's still a home, by the way. Mad Mel Margot, and we're talking this, all the things that had to go right for Clayton Kershaw to not throw that ball to the backstop when Max Muncy started screaming at him that the runner was going to not balk. I feel like the Rays would have rallied and they would have won this game. What, why, why try that steal, though, at that moment, that time? I understand back to, to the runner at third. He's in a long delivery and a windup. And it's, you know, why do that at that moment? Because there's two outs. you got the bottom of your lineup up. And this is the race. This is what they do. They catch you off guard. They do scrappy things. And Keyshawn, I get it. He's thrown out at home, so it looks like, what's he thinking? So many things have to happen. You see Max Muncy throwing and screaming. Clayton Kershaw was blind to this. The jump that Margot got. And you got to remember, I mean, Keyshawn, picture that you're standing there, and all of a sudden you're in your delivery, mid-delivery. Your teammate is screaming at you. You don't practice this. You just heard it hasn't been successful since 1950. You just don't see it. Kershaw could have stopped to try to get Margot, which would have been a balk, and now he scores. Or he could have panicked and then chucked that ball into the stands, and he scores. Instead, he throws a strike to home and gets him out still by this much. That's why the Rays do it. So many things had to go right for the Dodgers, and they did. Ultimately, that's why they win. So, Jess, in other words, Kershaw's mentals was on point because he did not <laughs> panic at all. <laughs> Yeah, pressure did not get to him. We saw in game four in that crazy ninth inning when Chris Taylor booted the ball, Will Smith dropped the ball. Like, pressure is a crazy thing. You guys know this, right? Jay Will gets this. You guys have played. Like, pressure makes people get super tight and do things in that moment. More so than his commander, his curveball, or his slider in that game, the fact that he was able, under that kind of pressure, someone screaming at you, to get the ball home and get that out is what won that game. Speaking of pressure, Blake Snell is on the mound for the Rays game six. How, how does he not – how did the Rays not let the Dodgers close it out? They have to do two things, Jay. Will first, I mean, nine, nine strikeouts isn't going to hurt. That's what Blake Snell did in game two. He was ridiculous. He lit up the strike zone. This is what he has to do. Remember, he struggled coming into this World Series. Why? He had 100-plus pitches in, like, three innings because he couldn't throw a strike. He's got the dirtiest slider in this postseason. And when he was able to get the Dodgers ahead because he attacked the strikeout, he had nine strikeouts against a Dodgers offense that is so tough. He is dirty when he does it but the biggest thing is is the Rays have to get the lead early so when Blake Snell is able to get those strikeouts to keep the Dodgers offense he hands it off to the bullpen that's how Rays win ball games Jessica Dave Roberts the skipper seemed to take Kershaw one out too early versus one out too late last night how important is it though to self-evaluate what you do as a skipper to make sure that you having the most success with that ace during the postseason. And did you see him arguing too when he was out on the mound and Dave Roberts came out? I was like, oh my, oh no, this this ain't gonna be good. Like this is not gonna be good. And Justin Turner, I loved it by the way. Boys got his back. Like Justin Turner's yelling at Dave too, and you could tell he's like, I, I know I shouldn't be yelling at my manager right now, but Justin Turner jumped in and like, don't do it, Dave. Don't do it. He did it. He pulls him out. But, Keyshawn, you'd always rather it be an out too early than an out too late. We've seen that's the narrative for Clayton Kershaw. Why did you run him back out there? Why did you leave him out? Dave Roberts has heard this story too often. They have so many guys, and he ended up ultimately playing it perfectly, handing it off to each and every one of them, and then ultimately Blake Trinan being able to close it out. 
Last thing for you, Jess, even if the Dodgers do win it tomorrow night. Even. <laughs> okay. Just for my, for my safety here, Jess, when the Dodgers wrap it up tomorrow night in game number six, <laughs> I do think, and I just want to, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, every year there's a breakout star of the playoffs, right? A couple years ago, Steve Pierce was the MVP of the World Series, for goodness sake. But this time around, this kid, Randy Arozarena, I have not seen a kid arrive on this stage with the number of home runs, the postseason record for hits in a postseason. Tell us something about this guy. I thought he just burst onto the scene and blindsided so many fans. He, he did. I mean, he didn't play a bulk of the season. He was sick. I mean, this is someone that not only has exploded offensively in a way that's been consistent. I mean, it's one thing. We've seen Daniel Murphy. We've seen guys in the past where they just hit a bunch of home runs, but he's got the hits. He has been their offense. I mean, shoot, he gets snipered at home, on his way running home, barrels over, still manages to score in game four. But Zubin, I think the biggest thing, if you ask Randy Arena who his favorite player in baseball is, he has answered, it's Randy Arena. Like, he's got a ton of confidence. He's got a ton of swag. He gets it. Every time they show him in the dugout, his emotion, his energy, everything that he does, I, I look at him as not only being a star that's emerged within this World Series, but a young player that's going to be able to go and showcase, and people now know his name, know how to say his name right now, by the way, carrying into the future where you can talk about some of these Tampa Bay Rays players, but especially Randy Rosarena, the personality. I mean, he has put on a show, especially you got to remember the Dodgers know this is a guy that can't beat them. They try to give him a curveball. They try to give him whatever it is. He still hits it. He's been unbelievable. Nine home runs his postseason. Again, single season records for hitting the postseason. He's barely played in the bigs. And if you're the St. Louis Cardinals who had this dude on their roster, you got to be wondering why in the world did we let this guy go? Jess, we'll see you tomorrow night for a possible or key says certain clincher on ESPN. Let's go Dodgers! <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> Thanks, guys. By the way, that's your type of player. My favorite oh, player is me. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Still to come. Sign my own autograph and give it to myself. Right. <laughs> With the number on the back. Always got to have the number on the back. That was Jessica Mendoza <laughs> on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Still to come. Yeah, they were really bad early in Jimmy Johnson's era. And yeah, there have been some really bad teams in Cowboys history. But is this the worst one ever? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. That's an absolutely terrific question. Right before you heard that question, you heard Mike McCarthy essentially, figuratively, laying into his roster for nobody helping out Andy Dalton after, literally, he was clocked by John Bostic. Concussed, left the game, and McCarthy was not happy that nobody was out there 
to defend him. For more on this story, let's go to the Shell Pennzoil performance side and welcome in Todd Archer. He's been covering the Cowboys for decades, even back in the day when Key played there. They've got a great relationship. And this suddenly coming down from Adam Schefter. For those of you that saw the hit yesterday, you might be a little surprised at this. This is straight from Schefter. After being ejected Sunday, Washington linebacker John Bostic is not expected to be suspended for his hit on Cowboys quarterback Andy Dalton. That a source telling Adam Schefter. Good morning, Todd. What do you think the Cowboys' reaction will be to that news? Probably as passively as they reacted on the field uh, to to what happened. I'm sure there'll be some guys that are upset and might say some things, but, I mean, you know, that was a scenario that happened yesterday that I can't imagine if if that were Dak. Mm Mm-hmm someone wouldn't have gone after the guy. If that were Romo, someone wouldn't have to gone after the guy. If that were Aikman, someone wouldn't have gone after the guy. Uh, it, it, it's just a it, – it, it was a bad look by a team that is just, frankly, guys, just kind of lost right now. And I don't mean to defend the indefensible here, but that offensive line had five guys that – or four and a half guys, because Carter Williams has played a bunch, but four and a half guys that really had their heads swimming. They, they don't know what they're doing yet out there. So I'm sure it didn't even like dawn on them, but that, that is just an instinct that as a player, as an offensive lineman, you protect your quarterback at all costs. When you see someone, see someone take a shot like that, you have to go after the guy and at least get in his face. If not draw a penalty, get, get expelled from the game yourself. Todd, do, do you have to be an offensive lineman though? I mean, if you, you go back, you go back, you covered me obviously when I was in Dallas. Do you remember the Terry Glenn hit? Uh, Earl Little jumped on top of Terry Glenn when he was laying on the ground, and I got the 15-yard penalty because I kicked the you-know-what out of Earl Little. <laughs> you remember that? You, you are a different animal than, than Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper was right there when it happened. You see Amari raise his hands to his helmet, but but Amari is not um, – he's not you. He's not he, – how he approaches the game is different than other guys. And, again, I don't mean to defend the indefensible uh, here, but it, it didn't have to just be – an offensive lineman. Anybody should have done something. Someone should have come on the field. The head coach could have shown some emotion on the sideline, tear his mask off, and start yelling at somebody about something. But again, the the entire operation, to use the word again, has just been passive. Todd Archer, ESPN Cowboys reporter, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Todd, you covered the Cowboys, obviously, for a long time. Is this – rank this team – with the worst teams in Cowboy history that you've covered? You know, not to bring up a bad memory, Key, your first year here, you guys went 6-10. and 10. That wasn't a very good team, although that team started off with the whole Quincy Carter debacle. Uh, you go to 2010, they're 1-7 and seven under, under Wade, the first, Wade Phillips' first eight games, and he gets fired. There was a lot of give up in that team, so that goes up there. Uh, the, the 2015 team goes 4-12 and 12 when they lose Romo uh, for all but – four games and they're starting Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle and Kellen Moore. Um, And then you go to 2017, they lose three games. The first three games of Zeke suspension, they scored two touchdowns. This might be worse than all of those because of the expectations for this team were so high entering the season. And I realize there's been injuries to, to Dak, obviously starting with that one and that offensive line. But this is, this is beyond bad and this, in 2015, the, the Cowboys were losing games 13 to 12, 19 to 16, 10 to 6. The defense kept them in games. The offense couldn't do anything. Now the defense can't do anything, and the offense can't do anything. This is this is a 
a phenomenally bad operation so far from the time that I've been covering these guys since 2003. I wasn't around for the Campo five and 11 years from 2000 to 2012, but this is as bad as I've seen. So with that being said, Todd, is it one and done for Mike McCarthy? That would require Jerry Jones to admit a mistake, and I don't think he'd admit it. Um, I, I think he would give McCarthy the benefit of the doubt over the, the, the offseason, uh, the coronavirus, all the protocols and all the, the, the inability for him to establish his program fully. Do I agree with that premise? Not necessarily because we're seeing second-year head coaches win. We're, we're seeing Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, the only first-year head coach with wins. We're seeing progress from these other first-year teams. Uh, uh, first-year head coaches do some things, starting at Washington. The Giants, they should have beat Philadelphia on Thursday night if Evan Ingram makes a catch. You're seeing incremental progress. For the Cowboys, it's getting worse. Uh, but I don't think you'd see Jerry make that kind of move after one year, especially after showing so much patience with Jason Garrett. Andy Dalton obviously was knocked out of the game yesterday, and uh, Ben DiNucci took over at quarterback. What are they going to do at the quarterback spot now, Todd? Are they going to trade for somebody or find somebody on the streets? Like They've got to be able to address this if they think they still have a chance in the NFC East, which is a weak division. Right. I don't know what you go do. The last time they made an in-season trade for quarterback was in 2015 to go get Matt Castle from Buffalo, and that was a colossal failure as well. They have Ben DiNucci, a seventh-round pick. They've added Garrett Gilbert. He's been on the roster now for a week. When it's like this, I don't know what the benefit. Someone asked me on Twitter, hey, how about trading for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, hey, why would the Dolphins do that? Because you don't know about Tua. And if you're the Cowboys, what good is that going to do you? I mean, who can come in here and right this ship? Uh, so I, I think, you know, you're going to see them roll with what they have. If Andy Dalton can't play this week, it will be Ben DiNucci. Um, you go back, I think it was 2013 uh, when McCarthy was in Green Bay. He started Seneca Wallace for a game. He started Scott Tolzien for two games. And then Matt Flynn came in and won a couple games while Aaron Rodgers was hurt. They eventually made the playoffs, I think, at 8-7-1. and one. That's the hitting and the hoping that you're hearing, that you're hoping for the Cowboys is that you can just finally figure out a way to win one game without imploding on either side of the ball, and regardless think, of who's the quarterback. And think about it. Their next game, Sunday night football, we could see Ben DiNucci in front of 20 million people on Sunday night football, <laughs> and that would be something. Again, you mentioned DiNucci, seventh-round pick. James Madison, Garrett Gilbert played at SMU in Texas. Cowboy Scots are sort of aware of him, too, but DiNucci is considerably younger, and that's who they're thinking about going with here in the short term. Todd, thanks for joining us this morning. You got it, guys. Keyshawn, oh. enjoy your Dodgers. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> Let's go Dodgers, and let's go to the T's. Still to come, the Bears are looking to improve to 6-1 tonight on Monday Night Football, but there is one glaring omission from their rather impressive resume. That's on the way. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. And one last thing as we're sitting out here on the East Coast in Lower Manhattan, South Street Seaport. On the West Coast is where you're going to find Monday Night Football. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Bears, Rams. We're also brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Fellas, it's always interesting to hear you guys talk about records and teams because Jay Will is firmly in the corner of, I mean, who you played, right? I got to yes. take into account who you played. While Key has always sort of said, hey, listen, you can only play who's there. Yeah, that's it. And this is where we sort of find the Bears. The Bears are at 5-1 and one looking to go to 6-1 and one tonight. But there is one thing missing from Chicago's resume. That would be the litmus test game times two against the team in the division that's going to fight tooth and nail with them to win the division. Of course, that would be the Green Bay Packers. So, Key, even if they get the best of Jared Goff and company tonight, it is worth noting that Chicago, despite a 6-1 and one record, if they win tonight, they will wake up tomorrow knowing they have still not played the Packers once. They will face Green Bay on November 29th. That is scheduled to be a Sunday night football game at Lambeau Field. Ooh, and it's gonna be then cold. it's going to be really cold, November 29th. And then, even colder, January 3rd, the final day of the regular season, Week 17, the Bears will host the Packers. It is notable they have not played Green Bay once just yet. Yeah, the division could be decided by that time in January, but I, I understand where you're going with it. Look, you play who they put in front of you, man. You knock them down one at a time. Last year, a lot of us, including myself, with San Francisco, they just kept – it's like, ah, San Francisco's not that good. You look up, they had 10 wins. You're still sitting there going, ah, they're not that good. You look – you know, and it just kept going right. to the point where, oh, Minnesota's going to beat them in the playoffs. Oh, Green Bay is going to get them. And then they've playing in the Super Bowl. And this is how are, it feels the Chicago Bears might be. Are, are you are you saying the Chicago Bears are gonna be I, that's not that's not what I, I I'm said. just making sure. I'm just saying it sure. feels like you could be headed down that road where they keep stacking them and stacking them, and then in the end it's like, oh, I didn't realize we had home field advantage throughout the playoffs. What do you think their record will be in the next three games at Rams, Saints, and then at Titans? Mm. Because I feel like we're going to find out everything we truly need to know about the Bears in these next three games before they even get to November 29th when they play the Packers. That, 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 that may be true. That may be the case. But what if? What if they go 2-1? As a betting man, are you betting the what if in a positive side or the negative side out of these three games coming up? I'm betting on the positive side. You are. I think they can go very easily 2-1. I mean, they're, they're, look, 
you 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 give me that again. At Rams, Saints. They can win this game against the Rams tonight. Okay. Saints. Saints, they can win that game. Their defense play lights out. The Saints have been sputtering alone. Mm-hmm. We don't know when Mikey's coming back to play for him. We have no idea or Michael Thomas is coming back to play for him. So we don't know what that is. And then the last one is who? At Titans. I mean, that's going to be one of those kind of look the same type team, run defense, uh, run the ball, play defense, and don't allow your quarterback to screw it up. They mirror each other. That could be one of those real tough slug it out type games. But they could easily be two and one. We should mention the Titans. Speaking of the Titans, they actually ended the Tom Brady era in New England, going in their wild card round last year, knocking him out, ending his 20-year career. Exit Brady, enter Cam Newton. Entering yesterday, there were some questions, even though there was a 13-day layoff. Everybody's allowed to have a bad game. They looked terrible against the Broncos. And then Cam, unfortunately, in the wrong direction, doubled down, sub-100-yard passing game, three picks, bench for Jared Stidham. He was on Boston Sports Talk radio station WEEI this morning for his weekly appearance and pretty much diagnosed what was going on with his game. You know, what's frust- most frustrating is I put so much on my plate that, you know, yesterday I just kind of felt like I was pressing too much, you know, understanding what the situation was, and it kind of showed. And, you know, that's not me. But, but yet, yeah, through it all, being a leader on this team, we just got to find ways to get our guys going and still believe in the fact that we are who we are. And, you know, that's a positive in itself. You know, so – you know, even throughout the whole game, halftime, the in-game adjustments and, and, and whatever, everybody w- was calm. You know, we was just needing, you know, more of a, you know, play to be made just to gain some type of momentum, but that didn't happen. They'll be in Buffalo Sunday afternoon. Nothing like – that just brought me back to moment, Key. I don't know if you felt this. Nothing like, you know, obviously a Monday morning or after a game we were losing the NBA – and I see that call on my weekly calendar. I get that call from my agent. Hey, you got your weekly call on the radio show this morning. We want your address after your team just lost and you played horribly. But I give Cam a lot of credit for the way he always takes responsibility. And that's Look, regardless of his play not being to the level that we know it could be at, I like the fact he doesn't run away from it. He has accountability. No, he owned it. There's no question about it. But like I said to, to the listeners and the callers and to you guys, there was something that was there. And he said pressing. Like he did the stress level mm-hmm. of trying to, you know, live up to such lofty expectations. You put a lot on your plate, mm-hmm. and sometimes that that's too much at that given moment in time. And it was for him, obviously, yesterday. He came out. He had a stinker against Denver, and I'm sure he made himself aware of it and said to himself, "I can't do it again. This is how I got to play. I got to." And he start forcing things and forcing, and before you know it, it got out of control. When you look at the situation now moving forward, the Pats have won the division 11 straight years. It's a modern NFL record. They are two and a half back. We're not even halfway through the season. We're getting very close to halfway through the season. But, Key, it is just one game, and you guys have always said it is just one game. Uh, it's two. It, that's true. <laughs> but this is a huge spot in Buffalo, not just for New England. I think this is a, this is a show-me game for Buffalo, too. Yeah, bu- Buffalo struggled yesterday against Adam Gase in the Fighting Jets. So... <laughs> You know, New England's coming to town, different animal, different head coach, uh, different circumstances, different players, and it's going to be a test for them. It's not going to be that Buffalo team we saw four weeks ago going up against the New England team that's just going to lay down for them. Also, you're thinking the Patriots win that game, how the ties have turned, right? Yeah. I mean, now you're talking about the Buffalo Bills would have lost the last three out of four games. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're in a downward spiral. It's not looking the same, and 
maybe that's a game Cam can turn around. The Fighting Jets. What do you think about Monday night? Give me a prediction tonight. Uh, I think that the Rams will win this game. I think what happened in San Francisco to them a week ago gets them restarted, rejuvenated. Plus, they're an L.A. team. So, what do you want me to say? <laughs> right. Any L.A. team. You got your eyes on another one tomorrow night for sure, though. It seems like you're doing it on purpose. You're making the whole narrative kind of about this team actually making it to the Super Bowl. You're, you're starting to make me believe in Chicago the opposite way now. Chicago's a good football team, but they're going up against the L.A. team. So, what am I going to do? What do you think tonight? I, I am a believer that, look, I love seeing Chicago do well. I just don't know if they're as good as their record against primetime competition. If this game was in Chicago – then I would feel different about Jared Goff going to Chicago. But this game is at home in the Coliseum, or not in the Coliseum, at the new Rams Stadium. So, so, far. so, so I feel good. Just a quick reminder, it's a short week for both of these teams. If you're wondering, if you take a look at what's going on with the Los Angeles Rams and what's going on with the Chicago Bears from the Rams' perspective, they're in an interesting spot here because when you come off a short week after a game like this, you never quite know how it's going to go. They'll be in Miami, so they're going to have to make that long trip. Meanwhile, the Bears will host New Orleans. But before any of that, Bears-Rams on Monday night, and we'll see you Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.